0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: Hey, this is Power Card, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. Welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, October 30th. My name is Jake Luke, and my co-host, Spencer Schultz, and I are back after a little bit of a break. We decided to uh, not do a Monday episode, given it was the bye weekend. We would just uh, kind of come back around here uh, and you know, give you guys a little bit of a recap of everything that went on. But uh, before we get into that, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing well. I'm um, in Scruff Town. I'm waiting. I've been going winning streak beard. Jake just shaved his off. He looks fantastic. Reminds people that he's actually a young man, not a a dad. I'm currently in the the dad look. Hopefully I look that way for a while and the Ravens are off some wins. Yeah,
1: it was a little bit of a spur of the moment decision. I was actually trying to, it was sort of a 50-50 thing where I had been thinking about doing it for a little while, but I also was going as Johnny Bravo uh, last weekend for Halloween. So I was like, yeah, let's just go ahead and pump the hair up and shave the beard. Um, So I did that. And then I've got like a convention coming up for work where I'm going to be traveling and want to look semi-presentable. So I'm going to grow it back out. But uh, for right now, I just decided this was a good uh, point to do a little reset.
0: It's always nice to remember that you have a face when you shave. I usually end up like trying to trim my beard and ruining it and then having to nick the whole thing. And then I'm like, damn, I actually have like a chin. Weird. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit
1: offline. I don't want to put myself too far on blast here, but, uh, it's nice to remember that you have a face until you are promptly reminded that you look like you're probably 17 years old. So that's, that's a little bit of an issue there for me.
0: I'll take, I'll take looking young when I'm old any day of the week. I'm happy to look younger when I'm older and, uh. Forever young, baby.
1: I wanna be forever. Wait, no, stop. We're gonna get the the copyright strike. Right. They're gonna they're gonna because <laughs> we sound too too much like it. Exactly. But uh, yeah, we're gonna jump a little bit into some of the um, non news surrounding the NFL trade deadline that was pretty overhyped and didn't disappoint. Uh, been there before. Um, but we don't have to get into that. Um, and also just talk about some of the results that happened over the weekend as well as some uh, other bits of news. Uh, one bit of news coming out of Cincinnati recently that we're going to want to hit on. But before that, we were going to jump right into the uh, mailbag. That's correct, right?
0: Yes, sir. We are all fired up. We just got a last second one that is so good. So I'm just going to jump right in. I'm actually posting on our story right now as we speak. It is coming from – Oh, well, Fernand- thanks for the prep. Dick. Well, well, it's a good it's it's an easy one. It, this is just like fun. This is a fun one. Has nothing to do with anything that's happened today. It is Fernando Teto Capistrion. I'm that's like 37 letters. I'm doing the best I can. They asked <laughs> worst raven of all time, Cundiff, Evans or Bowler.
1: Huh? I mean, like worst of all time is probably Sergio Kendall.
0: Me. <laughs> that's true. But like, I'm going to rephrase this as like, most hated, most oh, hated Raven of all time.
1: I mean, yeah, people hate Condiff. I'm interested that he didn't include Perryman there because people hate him.
0: We'll uh, throw him in there too. We'll rank him. We'll, we'll throw Perryman in. Is there anyone else we can think of that's in this cluster of like least fan favorites or fan hated, whatever?
1: Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, though, so you had Condiff Bowler. Elam, I guess. Elam. Yeah. Elam a little bit for sure.
0: Uh, we'll keep him out. And he doesn't, he's not that bad. Paraman, I feel like, definitely fires people up more. So we'll throw Paraman into the mix. I'm going to rank him off the top of my head. I'm just going to rattle him. I'm going to go – I actually kind of liked Kyle Buller. I thought he was like funny and exciting. He wasn't that incredibly bad. He was pretty bad, but he wasn't that bad. Um, Lee Evans really irked me, really, really, really irked me with that drop. Uh, But I feel like he was okay. And other than that, he wasn't terrible. Condiff is my number one culprit. I was, let's see, what was the year? That was the year before the Super Bowl. So 2011. Was it, was, it the, was it 2012, the year of the playoffs, though? Yes,
1: it was 2012. Um, so that
0: yeah. means that I was 18, and I was watching the game alone in my basement. I Sick. was emotionally distraught, and I remember the full emotions of it. I remember, like, coming back, driving down the field— And watching the ball, like watching Lee Evans get the ball, like drop the ball, basically. And people say that the ball was hit out, but like fall down, man. Anyway, I was like, all right, he dropped it. That's all right. Like, it's okay. Overtime, Ravens have the momentum. I like our defense. I like our chances. Like, we're good. We're going to be fine. And Cundiff missing that kick sent me into, I'm not lying, like hysteria. Tears rolling down my cheeks because I was like, oh, my God. Ed Reed's never going to win a Super Bowl. Ray Lewis isn't going to get another one. This was their like best chance. They're both getting pretty old, like starting to decline a little bit. I was distraught. pretty sure I like, oh, I don't even know. I was like, have you ever seen greatest freak out ever? Those YouTube videos. If you haven't go watch them, they're hilarious. That was me pretty much. I was a mess. So I'm going Cundiff number one, most hated.
1: I had just gotten my ACL and my meniscus repaired like a week or two prior to that. and Yeah, I was like 17 at the time, still in high school. Uh, yeah, that was a rough one, because it did feel like the end for Lewis and Reed. I was like, you know what? They were 12-4 and four this year. Suggs so was the best he had ever played. And Flacco, he played his ass off in this game, and they still couldn't get it done. So it's like that was kind of the spot that you had to do it. And uh, yeah, I'd pretty much given up hope on them ever winning it uh, at that point. But I, I don't know. That game still doesn't really... It hurts for me, but the fact it kind of feels like as part of the story that followed the year later, if that makes sense. Like, it's like UVA losing to UMBC, like, that doesn't sting for those fans as much anymore because they won this past year. So, it's kind of all part of the story. So, for me, that that loss doesn't necessarily hurt as much. As for most hated, I mean, Cundiff doesn't happen without Evans. So, that kind of takes the sting off Cundiff for me a little bit. And... Evans, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as plain of a drop as some people say. Sterling Moore definitely punched it out, but also a really bad hold by Sam Cook on that kick, too. A lot of people don't talk about that. The laces were pointed directly at the kicker, so it was just bad all around. Just a terrible sequence and um, one that I don't enjoy relieving very much, but as for those most damn Patriots! As for most hated, I think those two guys are kind of lumped in with each other, definitely. I think a lot of people hate Bowler, but also recognize the fact that That offense was just not built great around him, I don't think, and he was just not really – he shouldn't have been picked as high as he was either, I don't believe.
0: He only started two years since he was a freshman in high school through his time at Cal. He started his senior year on varsity of high school, and he started his junior year at Cal, and the Ravens traded up and picked him.
1: I think I've mentioned this before. Chris Sims, who does a great job at NBC now, has been in the media for a while, and I've kind of been following his media career. And multiple times over the years, he said he was convinced the Ravens were going to draft him, and he was available there in the third round. So... Given that he did OK for the Bucks in certain spots, that maybe would have been a better pick. But other than that, it's like what quarterback were you going to really get in that draft that was going to be available to them? No one. So it's, it's kind of tough, but it
0: right. is what was it is before that. Chris Redman was like supposed to be the starter.
1: Redman was 2001, I think. So he was the year after they won the Super Bowl and he was like a fourth rounder. He didn't work out. But it was just a different time for quarterbacks, wasn't it? It was, uh, you know, you could bring guys in a little bit slowly or more slowly and allow them to develop. But regardless. it was a bigger
0: jump from the college game to the pro game. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. And we were like, oh, my God, Bowler can throw it through the uprights from midfield for on his knees. This guy's going to kill bro. it. Sick. Yeah, this guy's got a cannon. So does Jamarcus Russell. Like, yeah,
1: I'm also like full disclosure, schools. You're a little bit too young to actually like hate Bowler. Like I was nine when he got drafted. So like I definitely remember watching him play, but it wasn't like I wasn't staying up and watching the draft and be like, oh, we finally got our guy. It was just like, oh, this guy's the quarterback this year. Cool. And it didn't work out. So it sucks that it didn't. But what are you going to do?
0: Absolutely, um, I agree. I didn't hate Bowler. He actually didn't have a horrible record. He was only a few games off of five hundred. Obviously, that was more because the defense carried him. But yeah, for me. Uh, but I
1: think Perryman is a big time dark horse. I mean, that play for the Bucks the other day where he ran into his own player it just brought up this deluge of like jokes and tweets. I was like, yeah, this guy is going to be a um, piece of infamy of this franchise for a long time. I don't Fair hate not.
0: Perryman at all. I, I like no, him. I don't.
1: I don't hate him either. But I think a lot of people. See him as a massive bust.
0: Yes, I agree. I don't think there was any reason he should have been drafted that high, but I was like, you know what? Flacco needs a deep weapon. Sure, whatever. If he's a good number two receiver, not a horrible pick, but in the end, it was not a great pick. Didn't pan out. Dude tore his ACL like the first. He was yeah, like I, I
1: hated the pick at the time. Um, But yeah, I kind of – it's you do that thing where you hate it at the time and then you talk yourself into it. I do that a lot, and this one was a pretty intense one. But I was like, you know what? Torrey Smith's gone, whatever. Like you have Steve Smith there, and you bring in I think Mike Wallace a year later. So it's like, all right, he, he can assimilate into here as a number two or a number three and be just fine, but – yeah, ultimately, it just didn't work out. It wasn't meant to be for him here, and it looks not meant to be for him really anywhere uh, at this point in time.
0: Right. Well, moving on, we got Joe Boken, Ninja JC, uh, one of our frequent flyers. Will we see Trace or Jaleel Scott take the field this season? Um, guess he means on offense. What do you think, Jake?
1: My guess would be Jaleel Scott at some point. Yes. Um, it's just the nature of the position. I think you rotate guys in a little bit easier. Trace, maybe. I'm not really expecting it, but I do think they're grooming him to take over as the number two QB at some point, so uh, I think he's still very much within their plans, but I don't know if we're going to be seeing him quite yet this season, but uh, yeah, as for Scott, definitely, he was, or he's looked at as a guy who has special teams potential, so definitely at some point, but also offense, you know, he played very well in the preseason and um, everyone knows my buddy Jeremy Butler is a preseason Hall of Famer, so that doesn't mean much, but at the same time, you know, this is a guy who was a fourth-round pick, and they presumably like a lot if they still have him in the picture. So yeah, I think at some point this season he's gonna get on the field.
0: I agree, and that ties into another one, which is from the Instagram tag or the Instagram username Making Plays. Uh, I'm not sure what his name is, but he is a five beta sigma. And he asked, We are having trouble in the red zone. Why haven't we seen the fade ball to Boykin or Scott? I think that's an excellent question. I want to see the fade ball to Boykin and Scott. Scott, I would love to see in the game. And I think that there's no reason why Chris Moore is on the field In my head, and Jaleel Scott just isn't, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't hate Chris Moore, but I do like Jaleel Scott. And I think throwing some fades to Miles Boykin, who has a 43-inch vertical and is clearly very strong in contested catches and is a monstrous guy with a long reach and a big frame would make a lot of sense. Um, I think Lamar throws a good back shoulder goal line fade, too, from the limited ones we've seen. But I guess it's just not really part of the offense, and I would like it to be. Maybe it's like, you know— Roman's kind of overthinking, we've got this mobile quarterback and we can do the RPOs and blah, blah, blah. And isn't just like, oh, hey, you know, throw a fade. Why not? Seems like they run a lot of slants at the goal line. Um, It's like the number one little route with goal to go situations and in the red zone. But absolutely agree with you there, buddy. I think they should be running some more fades. And I feel like, Jake, you probably agree as well.
1: You know what? I'm just not a goal line fade guy.
0: Okay, fair. It just,
1: you know, it just feels like. Everyone thinks this is 50-50 shot or even more so in favor of the receiver, and I just don't agree. I feel like it just fails a lot, but yeah, in theory, I guess it would make sense. But also, I don't think Boykin is this like overly physical like jump ball guy either at this point in his career. Maybe he will be, but even at Notre Dame, I feel like he was a guy who, well, he could high point the ball, definitely. He wasn't a guy who was out-muscling people a la Anquan Bolden, so I, think, I don't know if he's the the red zone fade type guy that like a Mike Evans would Scott maybe
0: be. definitely is though
1: yeah sure Scott I could see he, he even showed that in the preseason so he him I could see it with but I feel like Boykin might just be a little bit more finesse than he is power which for a guy his size is maybe a little peculiar but he's still a good player I think just maybe not for that role
0: sure I could see it uh Angela Hester asked us any chance the Ravens sign a free agent inside linebacker maybe someone like Zach Brown um no, not really. Atara Alaka could come back if they needed one. Uh, I think they've got a little rotation there with those three guys. You don't really. They also have Levine, who can play some inside linebacker in a pinch. Uh, if there's an injury, sure, I could see it. You know, I'm just.
1: I think they're good at inside linebacker right now. Um, Fort and Bynes have played average to good uh since being brought in so maybe yeah i mean maybe zach brown he's an intriguing name but at this point i feel like they're relatively solidified there and with the trade deadline passed i don't know if the the need to make a move uh is really apparent because they didn't make one then so i don't see why you would necessarily be clamoring to go make one now but i, I could maybe see it
0: yeah, based on just how things have gone since Bynes and Ford came in, I don't think they need to make a move unless there's an injury. Uh, moving along, Priv one asked, do you think that the Browns will bounce back considering they have that easy schedule? What do you think, Jake?
1: Uh, yes and no. I think they're going to be better than they were in the first half of the season. Uh, their schedule is markedly easier, I think, uh, starting with going on the road to face um, who are the Broncos starting. Brandon Allen, I think. Yeah. Uh, in favor of our boy Flacco, who got put on the IR in some nebulous circumstances. I believe he's injured, but I don't know. It was, it was a little little hazy. Um, but if they get a win there, they can maybe get things rolling against some of these easier teams they play. I know they still have the Dolphins on the docket. They got the Bengals, the Steelers a couple times. So I think they're uh, they're ripe to turn it around a little bit, but they've also shown some concerning... Things, you know, that good teams typically don't show, such as not being strong along the lines um, and just kind of some stupid turnovers. But also you can make the argument that they've had some really bad luck with turnovers and some really bad luck with flags. And if they start to even out a little bit in that respect, then I think that's going to help them as well. But. I don't think that just because they're going to be playing a bunch of easy teams that you should necessarily shoe them in for a ton of wins. But I do think it's going to get a little bit better for them um, throughout the rest of the season. But I mean, you're two and five, so you pretty much have to be perfect the rest of the way or close to it, which is uh, it's a tough order for them.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Uh, I think they will win at least five and get to seven wins minimum. I could see them at eight and eight and kind of like that eight seed, looking in, making a push, needing a little bit of help. Um, they're going to steamroll a couple teams and do it big time, get some confidence back. But as you were touching on those penalties and those turnovers, they just aren't well coached. They they don't execute cleanly. Uh, they're not disciplined and they will drop a game to someone they're supposed to beat. The Steelers aren't going to, you know, go belly up. The Steelers have a better record than them. So they're also making a push as well. The Steelers are on the outside looking in just barely. So if, you know, for some reason the def- the Steelers defense, I suppose, could carry them for a bit. Steelers have a pretty decently easy schedule as well. So I think the Steelers will definitely take one. The Browns have to beat the Ravens. They have to beat the Bills. And then they face a couple of, you know, pretty poor teams, but – I mean, the Bengals can give you a test. The Bengals took the Seahawks to the brink. They, you know, kind of got dominated by the Ravens, but it was a one-score game, and we'll see what Ryan Finley can do. I actually really liked him at NC State. I watched a lot of Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers tape, and uh, I liked what I saw. He's an NFL quarterback, in my opinion. I'm not sure if he's a starter, but we'll see. Uh, so, yeah, I have like eight wins. I think they can go 6-2 and two or whatever it is they need uh, right around there and, and be reasonably good. Uh, same dude asked, how about that Jamal Adams trade rumor? I mean, I like Jamal Adams, but strong safety to me, as good as Jamal Adams is, isn't something I want to trade a first round pick, especially more than that for. Um, He's great. He can play split. He can play in the slot a bit. He's a really great blitzer, a good tackler. He's a good leader, but I'm just not huge on strong safeties lately and box safeties in that kind of role. I don't think that's, you know, where you want to put all your chips. So I wasn't huge on that. It was interesting. I'm sure I don't think that the Ravens necessarily were like. In it to get him, they probably just called and asked. You know, it was probably Dacosta to Joe Douglas, two buddies that work together. He was probably, like, "What do you want?" And he was like, "A first and a third and another and a, whatever it was, first and a second and a second or something." He's like, "Oh, haha, no, like Dacosta's not giving that up." So I don't think it really got that far, but yeah, I mean, I like Adams a lot. I think he's a stud, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull the trigger. I'm happy the Ravens didn't.
1: Yeah, good player. Price was way too big, I think, uh, especially for a devalued position like that. Uh, you you can kind of find these guys, as you're seeing with Chuck Clark filling in a little bit and doing a nice job. But I don't know. I mean, it's something that you say and then, you know, you're lacking one and you're like, oh, well, this guy isn't good at this position. What are we doing? But ultimately, I think you don't want to necessarily put all the chips in the table anyway right now, especially not for a strong safety. So I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah, we're on the same page there. Um, There's a bunch about pass rushers and the trade deadline. I'm just going to kind of put those at the end because we're obviously going to get into that. That's the big news of the day, the episode, the week, the bye week, whatever. Uh, Smearman, another frequent flyer. His name's Alex Smearman, asked, would you guys have rather played the Pats before or after the bye week? I know Jake has the same answer. Definitely after the bye week. Definitely after the bye week.
1: What is John Harbaugh, like 10 and 2 after the bye? Let me look it up real quick.
0: I think 9 and 2, and then he's 12 and 1 in primetime at home.
1: Yeah, which he was getting a little bit fresh about the whole uh, not getting primetime games at home, which I really like to hear because I don't think the league is ever trying to screw them. I'm just not one of those guys that has that us against the world complex, but it it is a little fishy at a certain point when you just can't get Sunday night football to come to town. Um, and maybe that's a statement on the city or something like that, but I don't know.
0: Um, I think it's the market.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's probably part of it.
0: Yeah, Baltimore's like. Not a tiny, teeny, tiny market, but not a big market. They're one of the more valuable franchises in the NFL, like top half. But um, I don't know. Joe Flacco was the quarterback in the Ravens for a long time. I still think they had a lot of appeal nationally. You know, like why are the Browns have so many primetime games? They have Baker Mayfield is on 11 commercials. Commercial value. Like that's what it is. The casual fan wants to tune in and watch Odell Beckham and be like, oh my God, I hope he makes a one-handed catch. Or like, you know, Patriots obviously are going to be in primetime all the time. Big market, winning team, that kind of stuff. So I think the Ravens have just been like – average above average mediocre and like who wants i mean do you really want to watch the ravens the last couple of years they have been playing some boring as hell games they didn't have an exciting offensive attack there's just not a lot of sex appeal uh for you know prime time i can see why it didn't happen but at the same time i mean give us a couple throw us a couple yeah i mean there's definitely
1: economics to it but i think they they haven't had sunday night football here in like 11 years or something like that
0: yeah it's ridiculous or no not
1: that long but like maybe like five years
0: well since harbaugh has been head coach it can't be more than like three or four. The only now, I prime think, time games the Ravens I think get it the was Steelers.
1: the I think the, um, yeah, no, definitely. But I think the last time Sunday night football was here and maybe I'm wrong on this was the Patriots, uh, the Tory Smith two touchdown, Justin Tucker, um, quote unquote game. I think field, you're right.
0: I can't remember tailgating like late in the day.
1: Yeah. I, I, I watched that one on TV, so I'm not totally sure, yeah. but I'm pretty sure uh, that was the last one.
0: There might be one more and that's still not enough. So definitely a good point. Um, Thoughts on the Patriots' defense. Are they legit or just playing bad offenses? I kind of put this on the story in one word. I would just call the Patriots' defense aggressive and opportunistic. If you throw a meatball, if you throw an interceptable pass, it's going to get picked. It's not going to get dropped. It's it's not going to hit the ground. If you give them a meatball, they will take that meatball and make a meatball sub. They have scored six touchdowns. If you... Do something stupid they will make you pay so I just I think they're good but at the same time uh, pro football reference tweeted out the Patriots schedule through the first eight games of their season is the worst win-loss record by opponents ever so at this point in time through the Patriots first eight games their opponents had won 12 games I believe uh, like 12 and 42 something of the sort so they've been playing I mean Josh Allen and Sam Darnold are like the best quarterbacks they played pretty much. Um, They played a bunch of backups. They played Luke Falk. And I mean, they made them look like jokes and they knocked Josh Allen out of the game. So I think that they're really good. I think that they're extremely disciplined. Their secondary is the best in the NFL. They're really well coached. And I think a lot of it is because Belichick is really is the defensive coordinator this year. And I think he's having fun. I think he hasn't really gotten to bear down and, make the defense his so I think he's enjoying himself he looks like he's like smiling a little bit more than usual and like having fun he won another Super Bowl like he is the best he knows that so I think he's having fun with it
1: endless amounts of challenges run game pass game explosive plays breaking tackles they do a lot of stuff
0: really well we got our work cut out for us they're coming off the bye week so yeah we need to be ready to go who is that what's his son's name Steve Steve Belichick.
1: That sounds exactly like him, doesn't it?
0: It really, truly did. I saw the caption when I was looking at it, so I just turned my phone away and didn't even see what he looked like, and I was like, yeah, that does no, sound yeah, like it. They're him. just
1: really solid in everything that they do, and it's just, are gonna have to see what happens against this guy, because he's really fast. But. but yeah, as for their defense, um, yeah, really good is the word I would use. I wouldn't rule them out being all-time great uh, obviously up to this point, but I haven't quite seen it yet. For me, it's kind of like an eye test thing, like They're really super solid at every level, and they do everything really well. But when I think of like the great defenses I've watched, there's just something that I can't explain about how they like swarm to the ball, and they just look so intimidating on the screen. Specifically, I'm thinking of—I didn't get to watch the like 2000 Ravens like for real, or the like O2 Bucks or something like that. But I think of like the 13 Seahawks, the 15 Broncos, and the Jaguars like two years ago as like three of the defenses that I watched that just right. swarmed to the ball, and they just looked so damn intimidating every single snap. And it's just like, what do we even do against these guys? And I don't quite see that with the Patriots yet, but maybe it is an opponent thing. So uh, I don't know. They, they still have plenty of time to prove that they, they belong in that group. So I guess we'll find out.
0: For sure. And don't get it twisted. The 2000 Ravens did they had a cakewalk for the most part. Yeah, we were talking about that in the Slack chat. I put it in there
1: that they faced all these terrible quarterbacks and stuff. So I feel I still think they're definitely among the conversation for all time great defenses. But they played a lot of cupcakes, which happens because how many great teams are there in the NFL every year?
0: Right. And uh, I mean, the the Ravens, the best teams they played in 2000 were like the Jaguars with Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor and Keenan McCardell. Uh, the Steve McNair Titans and Eddie George, but they weren't like they weren't like dominant offenses. The Rams back then, the greatest show on turf was like the best offense in the NFL. They weren't playing, you know, really high rated units. Um, I know Vinny Testaverdi actually lit the Ravens up for like 500 yards of total offense. Tennessee Titans actually finished number one in uh, total yards allowed per game that year. Ravens ended up being number two because Testaverde lit them up with Wayne Corbett back in the day so heavily. Uh, but yeah. Patriots defense is legit. Belichick's at the helm. They're well coached. So definitely a very good unit, the best in the NFL to this point. And they only play who's on their schedule. That's what we keep hearing, and it's the truth. Um, But moving forward, there's another – a couple other general Patriots ones. Fitzroy Lucas, Peaky Blinders, which I've actually been watching like through for the first time, forcing myself to. Really? Uh, Yeah. He just said Ravens win by two touchdowns and expose a weak run defense and a declining Brady. Um, We'll get into that in our preview episode later in the week a little bit more, but I could see it. We'll get there.
1: I'm going to disagree off the top, but, yeah, we will talk about it.
0: For sure. I think there's – I like I think that is in the realm of possibilities. The Ravens run the ball really well, but I'm not saying it is the most likely outcome. Uh, Adam Jones, five-time goal glover, said Belichick takes away the team's best weapon on offense. I'm guessing it's Lamar's running. How about you? Um, I don't know if you can – Take away Lamar's running, as Belichick was kind of alluding to. We'll get into that, as I just said, but a couple more thoughts. Now we will finally get into the meat and potatoes. Nico Canalupo, 98 you know it's coming. Thoughts on not getting a pass rusher before the deadline. Jake, you start us off.
1: I kind of wasn't as bullish on the making a move as you were, so I'm really not you know, overly surprised or kind of crestfallen either way. It would have been cool, but... I've sort of held to the assertion that I don't think they're all into the the center of the table this year, even off with their nice start that they're off to, if it's not going to be the right pl- price then they're not going to mortgage anything to go make a run this year. I think they're just trying to build this year, get some confidence, you know, built up uh, to really make some moves this off season and, you know, kind of go all in on winning a Super Bowl in the next couple of years. But um, yeah, it strikes me as a situation where they maybe liked some guys on the market, but, The price was just too high, and that even goes back to the Adams conversation. It sounds like it was maybe the same way for some of these pass rushers, like an Ngakwe or a Shaq Barrett, two guys that were being thrown around. So, you know, if the price isn't right, then don't risk it, is kind of my thoughts on the situation. I know not everyone would agree with that, but I've just sort of had this feeling about the team all year that they're not quite ready to go all in. But I don't know. I mean, they they made a good deal for Peters when they saw it. So I, I kind of feel like they... We're just sort of, you know, willing to sort of take that and move on from the trade deadline and not kind of push their luck a little bit too much, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I don't the only thing I wanted the Ravens to do was to use one of those potential four fourth round picks they have just to get depth. And my concern is not the talent. I think that Judon Ferguson and Bowser can do plenty to get home. The improved coverage from having the secondary healthy is going to turn into a lot of sacks. The pass rush isn't as bad as people think it is. The problem is that let's say Bowser misses three games. Judon and and Ferguson can't play, and you don't want Ferguson playing 80% of snaps. Judon's been playing about 83% of defensive snaps. I think out of, I was looking at it earlier, I believe it's right around fourth highest of any outside linebacker in the NFL. So Judon is not coming off the field. And if he goes down for three games, you're screwed. And I guess that means they're, you know, maybe re-signing Shane Ray or Vic Beasley gets cut and Ravens try to snag him through waivers or they end what up What I don't get up.
1: is, and you can keep going if you want, but I don't get just giving up a sixth rounder for Beasley if that's all it was going to take.
0: D- the Ravens don't have a sixth rounder.
1: Do they have a seventh rounder?
0: They have a conditional seventh rounder from Alex Lewis. I have a feeling okay. that Beasley's going to get cut. And the Ravens are going to sign him straight up.
1: Why is because he getting cut? Why would the Falcons do that?
0: Because they don't they don't want him like they're they're sending it in. They're packing it in. They've already said as an organization, like uh, Arthur Blank, their owner, came out and said, we're going to assess over the next couple of weeks. You know, basically, do we want to keep Dan Quinn or not is what I got from what he said, um, who we need, who we don't. And they put him on the block and they were like, hey, we want this guy out of here. We, we don't want him. You know, they're probably willing to pay some of it. So maybe they cut him. Maybe there's a guy on the practice squad or another guy that they want to see if he can perform and, and move some things around. Because clearly Beasley's a free agent after this year. And uh, I mean, they could get a comp pick for him. But apparently it's, you know, not going to end up. Be, it's not going to be a third round comp pick. It's not going to be a fourth round comp pick. Maybe it's a, a 2021 fifth round pick. Is maybe the best they get in a comp pick if they hold on to Beasley for the rest of the year. So I wouldn't rule that out. Um, they they have to promote Demon Harris, uh, who they recently signed. He was a gentleman that I believe played at Rutgers and had the whole engagement ring lost in the Baltimore hotel situation. Um, or Famba Kamalu, those guys. You you can't go into an NFL game as a five and two team leading your division trying to make a playoff push with three outside linebackers. It's unacceptable. Uh, so they're going to do something. There's a couple free agents. So as long as they do something, I'm fine. Um, I didn't want them to go, you know, get necessarily Yannick and Gakwe and, and trade a first or whatever, blah, blah, blah. It complicates things. I don't think the Ravens have as much money moving forward to really do a ton of stuff in free agency. And they want to be able to resign their homegrown talent. They have a lot of good young players. So I would have just liked to see one of those fourth round picks go get someone who can help the Ravens and be under control through next year or something like that. But um, as long as they make a move, have four outside linebackers, five outside linebackers healthy uh, and, and can do the damn thing and make an honest run and give the defense everything that it needs to at least go push at this point because – We're on the same page. This isn't the Ravens year. They're going to make the playoffs pretty much set in stone, in my opinion. You know, God forbid they fall apart, but I don't see that happening with this offense and Lamar Jackson and whatever. But if they get to the playoffs, I mean, make a freaking run. You don't want to – like the goal is not to go to the playoffs. The goal is to bring a Lombardi trophy to Baltimore. And you're inexperienced. You're young. You want to get experience, sure, but you want to win the damn thing. I would have liked to see them – Get someone who's a good rotational piece, who's a good second or third outside linebacker just to have the depth and be strong there. Because if Judon, God forbid, can't play, you know, against the Niners and Texans or Rams or whatever, that's not good. That's not putting yourself in a good position and going to cause a lot of stress elsewhere on the team. And I would just prefer to see one fourth round pick for a proven, you know, he's an NFL guy. He doesn't have to be a superstar. He doesn't have to be a star. He doesn't have to be a pro bowler. We know he's an NFL capable of being on the field guy because in, I like to say two – one in the hand is worth two in the bush because you can go you know, draft freaking Bronson Kafusi in the fourth round and he sucks. Well, you don't know,
1: my counter to that would be it doesn't necessarily have to be that bush. Pause. It doesn't have to be the same bush. Um because that fourth round pick it may just be a fourth round pick or there could be some stud pass rusher and you're sitting there in the first round and you're like you know we got to jump up and get this guy let's sweeten the pot with this thing like the Steelers did with Devin Bush Right A lot of Bush references here um Bush 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 Keeping it PG bush. let's just you know keep moving from that but yeah um it could be it could wind up being a, that last push that or that last piece that you need to go make up or make that push up to go get a guy in the draft so you know, it, there's more angles to it than just that, to be fair.
0: Absolutely. You're you're right. And uh, that's a great point. That's what I want the Ravens to do. I don't think they have a ton of room for 10, 12 rookies next year. They have 39, actually 40 guys under contract now with Willie Sneed. And that means there's 13 spots next year if they don't re-sign any free agents, which led to the next question. And uh, we'll, we'll go back into the pass rusher stuff and the defensive stuff after the mailbag. Uh It was asked by Marlon Humphrey, 44. It's like a Marlon Humphrey fan page. Uh, Name a player you don't see us re-signing next year. So that would be Michael Pierce, Patrick Owasso, Gus Edwards, um, Judon, and Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith. And I think that covers all the major ones.
1: I think Jimmy Smith is probably gone. I think Gus Edwards is maybe a little redundant. So maybe he's gone. Um, other than that, Owasso, they probably want to keep and he, is he restricted or is he? Un-
0: no, he is restricted this year. He's unrestricted next year.
1: Okay. So Owasso, they probably want to keep, I think Pierce, they probably want to keep. Huh?
0: Pierce's might be tough. Because yeah, he is. well, he is tough. I think
1: they'd want to keep him, but I don't know like what the situation leverage-wise is going to be because I think he had a lot of leverage going into like this year, for example, but I don't know if he's played up to that quite yet.
0: I have a feeling that this locker room really likes each other, and the younger core players really like each other, and if the Ravens actually want them and make them a fair offer, they'll stay for the most part. Um, I want to keep Gus Edwards. I'm If I'm DaCosta, I'm keeping Gus Edwards. I think he doesn't cost shit. I think he's very cheap, and... I love what he does. He's improved as a pass blocker. He's improved as a receiver. He's going to keep ascending. He's the Mark Ingram's is a perfect guy to show him the ropes and for Gus Edwards to keep improving, keep being steady, consistent. And then once Ingram's time is up after his uh, three year mark is over, you have Justice Hill and Gus Edwards. That's a hell of a one 2 punch. And if Hill develops and the game slows down for him a little bit. Um, yeah, I agree. I think the two guys are Jimmy Smith or Brandon Carr are going to be tough to keep. And I love Jimmy Smith. I really do. He was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but he even said it himself in a press conference, you know, his first press conference since he went back to practice was last week. And he said, I feel like the kind of overlying story of my career has become the injuries. And it's this one. I'm not blaming on him. I don't think it was a result of him being durable or not. I mean, I've rolled my ankle playing pickup basketball. It just happens. And I've gotten tons of injuries when I was, you know, not having full grown men, when I was playing JV football, I'd get freaking injuries. I can't imagine having a running back come flying up on your ankle or whatever position player it was. So he's I don't been around for
1: he's been around for a while, and he's a physical player. So I mean, that stuff's gonna yes. happen. Like he won a ring. He's been a great player for them. Maybe it's just time to move on.
0: Right, and if he wants to stay for super cheap on sure. like a two-year deal with a second-year team option, that's great. But. I'd like to see the Ravens build the secondary, continue building the secondary with younger players through free agency in the draft. And clearly that's like the what DaCosta's model is, is crazy good secondary, fill in the pieces elsewhere defensively with you know stout guys in the middle to kind of help against the run and then and fill the perimeter guys in more so. So we'll see. But if I had to put my money on who the Ravens wouldn't re-sign, I would say – Jimmy Smith or Brandon Carr. It's tough for me to distinguish between the two. And I really like Brandon Carr. He's versatile and he's he's basically the antithesis of Jimmy Smith. He's incredibly versatile. He's incredibly durable. Never misses a game, but he can't hang with premier receivers at all. So it's like pick your poison. You know, which way do you want to go there? So I'm not sure. Maybe they keep one of them. I don't see him keeping both. So that's where I think the Ravens will move on. I can see it. Yes, I think we're kind of in agreement there. And then let me scan if there's anything else. Uh, How many picks do we have in 2020? They just really quickly, they have a first, a second, a third. That could possibly be a second, third because of a comp pick for CJ Mosley, which is really like an early fourth. Then if it's not, it'll probably be a fourth. And so they'll have four fourth round picks, a fifth round pick because they traded the Vedvik pick for – peters it was the vedvik pick so the ravens have their original fifth round pick they don't have a sixth round pick they have a conditional seventh round pick from alex lewis and he's been playing so they should have a seventh round pick uh other than that i think that pretty much does it before we get into kind of the trade deadline and some more general news so thank you guys very much we appreciate it this was a fun one and love hearing from you we'll have another one up next week yep
1: definitely So I guess jumping into some of the other stuff we wanted to quickly cover before we get out of here, we basically already hit on all the Ravens news with, you know, trades that did not end up happening, essentially. Uh, but we did have a transaction take place that maybe th- made us think that there was going to be something that happened. And that was Willie Sneed signing a one year contract extension, bumping him up to a six million dollar salary for 2020.
0: Yeah, I love the move. Um Sneed's had a tough go this year. He hasn't been able to, you know, make those crazy, tough, contested contested catches for the most part. I think that could turn around in an instant. He's a consistent, he's a really hard worker, and he's a crazy good blocker. And I like having him with Hollywood and Boykin, you know, because they're premier athletes a little bit more than Willie Sneed. So Sneed's had to make a living being tough and improving himself technically as a receiver. So he's a good guy to have in the room with them. He comes in motion. He's the Ravens' top, you know, snap receiver. He's basically the Ravens' number one receiver uh, for the last two years, for the most part. And he's durable. I like it. And it showed to me. It said they were trying to make a move. And Eric DaCosta thought back to his first draft this last, this past year, and thought about how much he, you know, he was pretty open about how much he hated having to wait and wait and wait, not having a second-round pick. So I think he doesn't want to feel like that again. He wants to have the draft capital, get the guys that he wants, and really have his first draft that is solely his baby. You know, Because he didn't have a second-round pick. That was Ozzy. That was Ozzy's regime. This was like a transitional draft. This is going to be DeCosta's first real draft. So um, it solidifies a slot receiver. Sneed's only 27, so he's got a couple good years left in him for sure. I, I like Sneed. I'm happy to see him continue to be in the purple and black. I think he makes a lot of sense. He's on the same page. He's very positive. He seems to have fit into the Baltimore community really well. And he's a guy that the Ravens are wise to keep around. So it freed up a little bit of extra cap space. It uh, looks like they were trying to do something there. Didn't end up getting the right price, as we said. So I'm happy to see Willie continue. He's at a passer rating when targeted of 131.4, which is actually the ninth best of any wide receiver in the NFL. And according to Next Gen Stats, Sneed averages 3.3 yards of separation per route run, which is 13th in the NFL. So he gets separation, just hasn't been getting you know all the looks. And uh, he's third on the team in targets, even though Hollywood has been out for a couple of weeks. So it just goes to show they're not really looking his way a ton, and that's all right. But love Snead. Happy to see him stay.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, sure hands, hard nosed guy. Uh, Like you mentioned, very positive presence and seems to have a good, very good chemistry and rapport with Lamar Jackson as both a teammate and on a personal level. So that's a guy that I'm very happy to see them keep around for another year at uh, not too big of an asking price.
0: Agreed. So on that note, um, like I was saying, basically what what to expect moving forward. I would think Shane Ray makes sense. Uh, Aaron Adoye off of the practice squad might get moved up. Damon Harris, those guys, because Ravens have to do something. But other than that, the pass rush itself is not a problem. We've talked about it. Marcus Peters coming in, Jimmy Smith coming back, is going to help the pass rush significantly. Quarterbacks' first reads aren't going to be there. They're not going to be able to snap the ball, look to the first option that the play is designed to go to based on their pre-snap read, whatever, and get rid of the ball. And that means that Judon's going to get to eat. I think Judon is going to have a big second half with, you know, five plus sacks, a bunch of quarterback hits, a couple force forced fumbles, make some splash plays. And he usually has one huge game a year. He had that three sack game. So I think he's going to be able to dominate against one of these teams coming up uh, with, you know, a lesser offensive line. And I feel like he's had to kind of press. I feel like the whole pass rush has had to kind of press because quarterbacks have been getting the ball out so quickly. So the pass rush feels like if – You're at the, you know, if you're playing in the middle of a game and you start to adjust to how the offense is attacking you, and Baker Mayfield just keeps getting the ball out and getting the ball out and getting the ball out, what are you going to do? You're going to try to win with your first step immediately. You're going to try to use your athleticism and jumping off the snap. So you're not able to really use your repertoire as a pass rusher where you can win by, you know, the time the quarterback holds the ball for a second. So you start having to force it and press and rush. I think the pass rush is going to be fine if they can stay healthy, knock on wood, and uh, I think they'll be in good shape. So I'm happy with how things are as long as the Ravens get some more depth along the uh, perimeter of the defensive line.
1: Yep, definitely. So uh, hopefully we see that in some form. Uh, Quick look around the AFC North, I guess, before we get rolling. um, Steelers got by the Dolphins in not-so-convincing fashion. Uh, on Monday night to push them up to three and four Brownies lose a tough one to the Patriots where they looked awful on the first three drives, three drives, three turnovers, three snaps, three turnovers, I should say uh, closer game though, then that would indicate it was only like 27 to 13, I think. Um, so they're two and five. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Bengals at Owen seven, I believe. And they make a change now at quarterback of all positions. It doesn't feel like Andy Dalton was really the issue there, but This goes beyond him. I think their plans uh, were always to move on from him sooner rather than later. And they're now looking at their rookie quarterback, who you mentioned, Ryan Finley, drafted in the fourth round out of NC State. He will make his first start against the Ravens in two weeks in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, so it was interesting on the first two you touched on because if you just go watch ESPN and the talking heads and the reporters and they're like, oh, wow, the Steelers, you know, really played well, they're three and four now. Steelers did not play well. Then conversely, it looked like the Patriots kicked the Browns' ass. They didn't. The Browns gave them a nice physical football game. And like I was saying, if you put the ball on the ground, there, Jonathan Jones made a cool, unbelievable play. And I was watching Good Football Morning this morning, and they compared it to uh, the 49ers receiver or the Bills receiver uh, years ago in the early 90s that tracked down uh, Leon Hall, and stripped him on a fumble return at the goal line and forced a touchback when the bills were losing by a lot, huge effort play chased down Nick Chubb from behind, stripped him at the 10 Patriots, get the ball it's crazy opportunistic. But I thought the, the Browns, you know, they don't, they don't walk out of there like feeling like crap for the most part. They didn't get, you know, run through. They put up a good fight. They just put the ball on the ground, made stupid mistakes. Can't execute at a high level to compete with the Patriots of the world. Then, I mean, Steelers were losing at halftime and, it was just – I was messing around on Twitter. I'm sure I was talking with a couple of our listeners and stuff. But um, it was just funny because it's – all you hear is, oh, the Ravens can't play the Dolphins every week. The Ravens can't play the Dolphins every week. Well, the Dolphins fans are like, hey, man, can we play these Steelers every week? They're, I mean they're giving it to them through the first half. They were – I mean Fitzpatrick, something about Fitzpatrick – on primetime, when his chin strap is like completely immersed in his beard and he looks ridiculous and he starts scrambling and like laying his shoulder down and stuff, that's when Fitzmagic comes out. It's got to be at night in the primetime games. Um, and he actually lit the Steelers up, if you recall, last year when he was with the uh, Bucks. And that's where Fitzmagic was kind of born during that time. And he threw for like four touchdowns as long touchdown throws to Deshaun Jackson and stuff. So if you have to play Fitzmagic in the dark, watch out yeah that was the game
1: that uh cemented vance mcdonald as like a top three tight end for the next decade
0: Right, yeah, because he yeah, made that, that one play,
1: and now it's just everyone's like, "Oh, Vance McDonald." Like,
0: yeah, people are drafting him in fantasy and all the leagues I'm in, like seventh round. I was like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Okay, I guess," but definitely better options there. Uh, then, yeah, the Bengals it's interesting. So I saw George Iloko is a longtime Bengals safety. Uh, he's not with the team anymore, but he kind of tweeted and said, "You know, the Bengals have the worst offensive line in the NFL. They have the worst, one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and Andy Dalton doesn't have his best wide receiver." but you're blaming him. And I take the opposite. Those, those are all great points, but I take the opposite effect. So why are you going to keep putting Andy Dalton out there to get punished when you have a rookie quarterback? I think the Bengals are doing the right thing. Dalton's a free agent after this. You, you know what you have in him. You know what you have in Joe Flacco. You know what you have in Andy Dalton. You know what you have in those kind of, you know, 30 year old quarterbacks who have been at it for 10 years. So go see what Finley can do with, you know, these situations. Can he get the play calls in? Is he just completely missing coverages? Can he read protection and check protection? Um, is he is, he you know, holding the ball too long? Can he slide around in the pocket? It's it's evaluation. I mean, they're in a full on like to quote Zoolander, but kind of change it a little bit. It's a tank off. It's them versus the Dolphins. One of them is going to want, you know, Chase Young to uh, burrow. One of those guys. So, I mean, take Dalton out. Don't. I don't. I like that. I feel like that's a good move for Dalton. Don't keep making him trot out there and get his ass kicked every single week. You don't want the freaking Eli Manning thing going on when you have a rookie quarterback. So I think it was a good move by the Bengals. I don't think Zach Taylor likes Andy Dalton. I don't think that's his guy. He's a quarterback guy, a offense guy, and they like to bring their own quarterbacks in and mold them and get the good habits and all that good stuff. So. Uh, It makes sense. And I've always kind of liked Andy Dalton. I touched on that before the Bengals game. And I think that he's been solid. He's not a world beater. He's not a tier one or a tier two quarterback, but he can be at times. Um, And I've always liked him. So hopefully he lands somewhere and makes something of himself.
1: Yeah, I was shocked by it in the moment because he has been, I think, relatively decent in spots this year. But, yeah, I mean, it took me just like one second to realize like, oh, yeah, this is a lot bigger than just Andy Dalton. I mean, he's not going to be on the team in all likelihood next year. They have a rookie right now who they have a half a season to get a look at. And granted, he's not entering the best situation, obviously, with the team being very bad. So he may be getting a little bit Rosen here. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's in all likelihood They're going to be in the running for Tua or Herbert, and they got a big time decision to make uh, if they're going to take one of those guys. So they have to get a look to see what this fourth round investment that they made this past year can do. Um, I'm not optimistic on his chances, Uh, so I'm very much expecting there's going to be a new quarterback uh, under Zach Taylor, you know, running that offense in Cincinnati next year, who is going to be of a high draft pedigree. But we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, Dalton, I mean, maybe he will land on his feet. I think he's played decent and stretches down the past couple of years and still has some physical ability. It's not like a Joe Flacco situation where he's just beat to hell and kind of, you know, his mojo's sort of gone. I think if he goes to somewhere like Chicago, maybe with the offensive innovator, he could still have some productive years. So we'll see what happens with that. But a uh, new era certainly seems to be dawning out there in the uh, land of skyline, Chile
0: In the old Chili city. Skyline is disgusting. Uh, my prediction it. is Andy Dalton ends up on the bucks. He would look, Mightily
1: fiery in that old red. they can you imagine Andy Dalton <laughs> and Bruce Arians together? Yes, that is I a can.
0: personality clash. <laughs> I can certainly see it. Um, Andy Dalton just taking his helmet off and looking like he still has his helmet on, and Bruce Arians just sunburnt to all hell. I mean, that like is he's also
1: wearing a helmet. In terms of like dominance and submissiveness, that is like Zed and the Gimp like <laughs> Bruce Arians and Andy Dalton together. Can you imagine that? Get the gimp.
0: Um, yeah, that would be awesome. He'd be a whipping post for Guess Bruce Arians for goal. sure.
1: wake him up then, won't you? <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, that's my prediction, just solely based on color schemes. But yeah, I like old Andy. Uh, let's go. Let's go quick. We're at the halfway point now. Um, going into week nine. What is... As we're doing an AFC North whip around, I'll talk slowly so it gives you a second to prepare. Browns That's record at the end okay. of the year. Bengals record at the end of the year. Steelers record at the end of the year. Ravens record at the end of the year. Who makes playoffs? Who doesn't?
1: Ravens, I'll say 10 and 6. Browns, I'll go 8 and 8. Steelers, I'll go 6 and 10. Bengals all go
0: 1-15. Oof. Is there a win against the Dolphins? They have a tank off in Week 16, I think.
1: That's possible. I could totally also just see them beating the Ravens and having that be their only win.
0: That's not happening. There's no way. If it was Marvin Lewis, I would say maybe, but I don't think Zach Taylor's doing it with Ryan Finley uh, next week. Actually, too.
1: Yeah, that's going to be an awesome game. I think I saw Mina Kimes tweeting about um, clear schedule for Week 16 Browns or uh, Bengals Dolphins because that's uh, going to be something.
0: Yeah, one of the guys I've always liked on the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs, a big Dolphins fan, and he like bought tickets to go to Cincinnati to go watch that game and is trying to get a bunch of people to go for like the to see who will lose it's i was gonna say boring. are
1: they just gonna take a knee every snap like what's the deal there
0: it's gonna be like that episode of south park where the kids all hate playing little league baseball and want to end and they just get really good at sucking like the dolphins like basically against the steelers like had the game in hand at one point kinda then they started doing that they ran like an engage eight out of madden on third and 20 with like 15 yard cushion and let the steelers like walk into the end zone so it's 14 10 at the end There's of the nobody half on the
1: field there. yeah that was that was something
0: yeah, so it was a uh, full-on tank-off going on. I'm going to go Ravens 11-5. and five. I think they're a little tiny bit better than they get credit for. They have tough games, though. I think they end up being the 2 or the 3 seed, um, kind of vying with the Chiefs for the 2 seed as the Chiefs are going to get Mahomes back. And I think Mahomes is going to go, oh, my God. I, I just traded for Tyree in Fantasy in two leagues because I think he's about to go Ape shit crazy over the final eight games of the year. Um then I'm gonna go Browns eight and eight. I think they turn it on, but not quite enough to make the postseason. Steelers six and ten. And I'll throw Ryan Finley a couple bones. I'm gonna give them two and fourteen and they get the number two overall pick. Who
1: is their quarterback next year?
0: Jake Fromm. Interesting. I feel like that's a Zach Taylor guy. I feel like that's a Sean McVay, Zach Taylor guy, really good game manager. He, he kind of – he reminds me of Dak a lot. Like he'll make any throw when you need him to and he limits mistakes a ton. He's super-duper poised playing at Georgia, doesn't bat an eye, decently athletic, big dude, uh, has a little bit of like big – like a big Ben Dak in that mold, like a big dude, a little bit more mobile than Ben, a little bit uh, – We talked about this
1: before. Maybe it's just like Georgia offense, but he just reminds me of Kirk Cousins, just with more upside.
0: I don't hate that. Like
1: like from a physical profile, but also I want him to be more aggressive. But I I don't know. That's draft discussion, I
0: guess. I agree. And Georgia has a weird offense because they always have 13 like incredible running backs. So they have to run the ball and it's limiting for the quarterback in there. We've talked about this. They get stuck in that pro style stuff still as other teams are like fully committed to spread spread offense is where it's at for the most part. I did see one interesting stat it is that the combined record of the top five teams who run the most from under center in the NFL. It's like all the best teams. It's the 49ers, the Patriots, the Texans. It's a, They're like, they have like seven losses in 42 wins. So interesting. All those teams obviously do run spread, but um, it's not full blown yet. And obviously, those teams are getting leads and running the ball a little bit more. But I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Um, but yeah, I think that about does it for me, buddy. Yeah, me too. It looks
1: like we're getting close to an hour. So uh, I guess a good time to cut it there, um, unless you have anything else you want to throw out.
0: No, man, I'm excited. We're going to do a Patriots episode. Uh, Jake's in the works of getting on a nice little guest for us to preview all that and get into it. I feel like Tom Brady hasn't been in Baltimore since I was a little girl. Like the Patriots never come to Baltimore. <laughs> I remember the last time
1: they did. I was there and it was not fun.
0: Yeah, exactly. I feel like Ravens are always up in New England and they're shenanigans. Um, so we're going to get into that in depth. I'm really, really excited for this game. Pumped that it's Sunday night, primetime. Tailgate's going to be awesome. Gonna be fun, seeing the Ravens in all black, all that good stuff. Lamar kinda idolizes Tom Brady. He's talked about him quite a bit, so I think he's gonna really turn his stuff on. He always seems when it's like a quarterback matchup, Lamar against, you know, a really good quarterback he Wants to be the, the best, the best in show, the highest pedigree guy. Obviously, he's not going to do that to Tom Brady, but might be able to walk out with a win if the Ravens execute well. So going to be a really great episode. We're going to get very – Let's just dead. hope that
1: things don't Locked turn into either. the uh, the guy looking at the other girl when his girlfriend's mad meme with uh, Hollywood handing Brady some cleats and Lamar looking at him you know, out of the corner oh of his eye. Oh, my
0: god. That was so ridiculous. So ridiculous. There's one – another picture of Baker just completely dejected on the sideline. And I'm not going to lie. Like people made all kinds of excuses about that little shovel pass. He threw <laughs> Baker was staring at Lawrence guy. And I just Rick don't understand Barry. Where was it
1: going? Like, who is it?
0: <laughs> there was a shovel coming from the left, but it was like, clearly blown up and Baker was looking at Lawrence guy, looking at a defensive lineman and Rick Barry, two hand underhand free throw shot. Like here you go, buddy hit him in the face mask with the ball. There's no one getting their hands on it. And you can say what you want. Like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Turf the ball, fall down. Sometimes blown plays happen and you just have to like fall down. You know, you fumble a snap. You don't know what the hell's going on. You don't know where the, everyone is or there's, you know, supposed to be a run and everyone goes out for a pass. You know what the hell's going on? They misheard the thing. Fall down. Fall down. That's all. Fall down.
1: It's tough. But, yeah, I guess that's a show. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Uh, appreciate you bearing with us, uh, taking a quick one-day break there on you. Um, yeah. Please be sure to rate the show wherever you get your podcast. subscribe to it, leave a quick review for us there, and give us that five-star rating, please. It really helps us a lot. We've been seeing the people in there, giving us some uh, really good feedback, so appreciate it. You can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. that's L-O-U-Q-U-E. You can follow Spencer at Ravens4Dummies, that's the number four. Check out BaltimoreBeatDown.com for some of our written content. And uh, until Friday, I uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. See ya. Peace. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like, like running people down. It. I like interceptions to and touchdowns, busting up the streets and my punts. You in the gutter?
0: You in yeah, the- I like that. You in the gutter. I like the body. that top and grass. <laughs> 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 he, he like the trick. Work. That
1: boy
0: like yeah. to get down,
1: like down and dirty. Out. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting corner yeah. that's yeah. what I'm that's saying. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> <Slightly back. laughs> bang, bang, bang. All